we were trying to find out how old she was and just different information. And all of a sudden we heard like paper crinkling behind us and we heard a wow. And it was like a little child's. It wasn't across any of the equipment. It was in real life. It was a disembodied voice. It was like a little child trying to scare us. You're listening to River City Mystery Podcast, the show that delves into the Evansville and surrounding tri-state area's mysteries, including unsolved crimes, murders, and disappearances, a show that isn't afraid to jump down the rabbit hole to investigate reports of local hauntings, sightings of UFOs and cryptids, among other paranormal phenomena, with your host, co-founder of the Humans of Evansville Facebook page, law office worker by day, insomniac researcher of the unknown by night, Matt Dyg. Welcome to episode eight. I'm joined by Joni Mahan, author, medium, and paranormal investigator in New Harmony, Indiana. Welcome to the show, Joni. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I was actually at Barnes and Noble and came across your book, your latest book, Haunted Posey County, and just about fell out of my chair when I was like, oh my gosh, there's a book about hauntings in Posey County. Oh, yeah, yeah. And before that, there was a book about the hauntings in New Harmony that I wrote. So, a uh, very haunted area. Apparently so. And I actually picked up both of those books and have read them. And you do a really good job of giving a history of all of the paranormal, you know, events. And you go into great detail. So you did a good job on those. Thank you. The history is really important to me because it really interlinks with the haunting so much. And I'm also just fascinated by what was there before, because as you know, a lot of times the haunting comes from the land, not from the building that's currently on it. And some cases we were able to track it back to like four or five different things that had been on that same spot. So it had a lot of relevance as to why it was haunted. A lot of people lived there. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've always loved New Harmony. There's something about it. There's something it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. That There's something in the air or I don't know. My wife and I got married at the Ruffless Church there. And every time we go there, it just feels like something's different. I know in um, Haunted New Harmony, uh, the book, you say that you feel that the presence of the dead lingers heavily there. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think it's different there than other places? Well, this area has such a deep history, a lot of roots. I mean, New Harmony was settled before Indiana was even a state. So, you know, officially in a state. A state. But uh, it has a lot of history. The um, uh, It was the site of two former utopian societies. Uh, the Harmonists came here in 1814 and settled the land and uh, basically built the town like it looks today for the most part. I mean, laid it out in that same grid. And Uh, They were here for 10 years, and after they left, in came the second group, the Owen family, and uh, they attempted a communal living society. It didn't work, but, you know, they put a lot of time and effort into it. A lot of them stuck around, and one thing that I think might contribute to the hauntings here is that we do investigations here frequently, and we run into a lot of harmonist ghosts. And during Father Rapp's time here, he was the leader of the Harmonist. He believed that the second coming of Christ was going to happen while they were there. So he told his group that they were going to live as pure as possible. And one of the things they did was uh, they practiced celibacy. So even if they came to the group as husband and wife, they were now brother and sister, and they literally did it. 
Uh, but I feel like that anybody that might have died during that time period, they would have said, I'm not going anywhere. Jesus is coming. So I'm going to stick yeah. around here. And then they got stuck in place. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. You know, that could attribute. And then also, New Harmony, you talked about, you touched on the vibe. Um, there's something here that's different. It's different from anywhere else I've been. The energy's different. I don't know if it's on a ley line or a fault line or something, but the ground is definitely holding on to energy that you don't feel like in Evansville or Mount Vernon or anywhere surrounding this place. And I feel like that kind of perpetuates the hauntings. It gives it more hold, allows them to haunt. So that could be something to do with it. Plus that people are very possessive over this town. You see it happen a lot. I mean, it's called utopia for a reason. Mm -hmm. People will move here and they will decide that they their version of utopia looks different than what's presented and they'll try to change things. And people get very uh, possessive, very, very much wanting to do things their own way here. And and they either stay or they leave. After about four years, you see a lot of people move off because um, the energy didn't match theirs. And you'd, you'd mentioned that because you were, you're a Posey County native and then you kind of lived in the Northeast for, you kind of bounced around from 12 different towns and then you found your way back to New Harmony. And you said you were kind of hesitant to mention that you were a paranormal investigator because, you know, it's a small town and you, you never know how people are going to take that. So have people warmed up to that or? Yeah, absolutely. And who was kidding who? They knew who I was long before I even stepped foot in town. Um, small town grapevines are very prosperous. <laughs> right. So, um, so, you know, I was just trying to make sure I wanted a place where I could heal and I could live and I could set down new roots. Uh, even though I grew up in this area, this, I wanted this to be my new town and I wanted to stay here till I died. And I wanted the people here to like me. I wanted to be part of the community. And I was afraid that if I started talking about the fact that, um, I was a paranormal investigator and a medium, <laughs> you know, um, that people would be, you know, fearful of me. I mean, this town has eight churches mm -hmm. and the population is only under 800 people. So that's one church for 300 people. And I thought, wow, you know, this is kind of Bible Belt territory. They're probably not going to like what I do. So I'll ease in, you know, I'll let them get to know me first and mm -hmm. I'll do everything I can to make sure that they like me. And then, then we'll talk about, but now it, and they've been fine. I have really... If anybody's resistant to what I do, they don't talk about it. But with, you know, we didn't talk about this is that I also do ghost walks here in town. I do haunted New Harmony ghost walks and they are so popular. This next year will be our sixth year doing them. And we pull a lot of people in to town from, you know, as far away as, you know, I think we've had them in, from California. We've had them oh, from wow. Iowa. St. Louis, we pull in a lot of tourists that may not have heard of New Harmony otherwise. And so that benefits everybody uh, that has a business or a restaurant or an inn. Um, you know, they're able to, I'm sure they make more money off of tourists than I do. So even if they don't like what you're doing, they appreciate that you're bringing in business at the very least. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, part of the reason why I did this was because New Harmony had a couple of really hard hits in the last 10 years. Uh, they lost their bridge that connected them to Illinois, and a lot of that stopped like a thousand cars a day from coming through town. And they lost their school, mm -hmm. so there just wasn't enough funding. So they don't even have a school. So it's hard to draw in families with uh, children because they have to be bussed to another town. So 
I love New Harmony. I've always loved New Harmony, even when I was here as a child and a young adult. Uh, and I just want to do my part to help support it. So if what I do helps keep New Harmony alive, so to speak, <laughs> um, then, you know, so, then that's, you know, that's definitely one of my biggest goals. So, you know, I do enjoy supporting myself doing this, but I also want New Harmony to stay on the map. That's really important to me. That is awesome. Now, speaking of ghost walks and paranormal investigations, you have an upcoming investigation at the old Arbor, Arbor House. Um, and I, I'm going to butcher the name. It's Chadwick Fentano or Fred Show. That's Fred okay. Fred I knew I was going to yeah. butcher that. And it's probably mispronounced, too. That's what the people in New Harmony, how they pronounced it. So it, it probably had a totally different pronunciation. Okay. And you actually had an experience I read about uh, at this location uh, with a with a spirit of, I guess, a, an older lady. Yeah. So this was this, when I first moved to town and before I even thought about writing Haunted New Harmony. I had no idea this town was haunted until I moved here. And I was just, I would walk around town a lot, just admiring the old buildings. I love old architecture and I just, I don't know, I geek out over it. And I came upon this beautiful old building on the corner of Church and Main Street and um, called the Arbor House. And it was open. It was a store. So I could actually walk in there. And I was all in. You know, I wanted to walk mm -hmm. in. I wasn't thinking about ghosts or anything. I was just thinking about getting a chance to look at the inside of this beautiful building. And I walked in and uh, the store was open, but the lights were off. And I thought, well, this is weird. But I walked in and I was just kind of poking around. And I got back to um, a back room on the first floor that they had a lot of Christmas decorations and items in. And as I walked in there, it felt like somebody walked in behind me. And I should describe how I perceive the paranormal to begin with. Uh, I'm clairaudient. That's my primary gateway. So I hear a tone similar to ear ringing when there's a ghost nearby. So a lot of people, I've kind of prompted them. If we're in an investigation and you see me turning my head back and forth, I'm just trying to pinpoint where the ghost is because it's going to be where the sound is the loudest. And if I tune into that sound, I will pull in information, mind pictures. I just start collecting a lot of data at that point. And as I was standing there, I felt somebody walk in and my ears started ringing. But I whipped around because I really thought somebody had walked into the room. It was such a pronounced feeling. And I turned around and there was nobody there. And then I started getting mind pictures and I saw a woman and she had like iron gray hair pulled back into a bun. She was wearing a dark or a dress, like a plain dress. And she had round glasses on and they were almost like Harry Potter glasses. And that seemed really important. And the two words that came into my mind were spinster and schoolmarm. And okay. I thought, okay, you know, and I saw her and you know, she was very welcoming. She was not scary at all. And then she just kind of drifted away. And at this point, I wasn't telling anybody what I did yet. Um, and as I got to the front door, I started to walk outside. I still hadn't run into anybody that worked there. The lights suddenly came on. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is interesting. So I walked outside and there was the owner and her name was Barb. And she was sitting outside under the arbor smoking. And she started chatting me up and uh, asked me, you know, my name and what I did for a living. And I just said, oh, I'm an author. I write books. And she goes, oh, what kind of books? And I'm like, oh, crap, here we go. Right. You know, sure. I'm like, uh, I'm a paranormal author. And her eyebrows raised and she smiled. And I just knew in that expression that I had met a kindred. 
And I said, so I just took a chance. I said, I met your ghost, by the way. And she laughed and she said, which one? <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and we started collect, I started getting stories from her. And that was where Haunted New Harmony began with that mm -hmm. one story. So then I started talking to other people, getting more stories. Um, and, you know, was able to fill a book and two ghost walks. But Barb ended up selling the building a uh, last year to um, some other people in town that ran a gift shop called Lowry Hollow. Mm. And they bought it and they spent about a year refurbishing the building and restoring it and uh, doing a lot of great things. So they just opened back up like a month ago. And they know me. They've been actually been on my ghost walks and investigations. They support what I do. And I asked uh, her, it was Len and Rod Clark. I asked them, I said, would you let me do a paranormal investigation here, open it up to the public? And she said, sure, why not? So uh, we've already sold, I think, 25 tickets and we have 28 total. So three more oh. tickets left. And it'll be a fun investigation. We've already been in there and poked around a little bit. And they were answering us on the spirit box. So I'm very excited about that. You mentioned you're a clairaudient, which is, I mean, people have heard of clairvoyant. And clairaudient is where you basically hear the tones of, you know, different ghosts, I guess, have different tones. Is that how that works? Did you differentiate one from another? Yeah, I can sometimes. Um, I can definitely tell if they are good or bad uh, immediately. Um, I just feel it. And men's male tones tend to uh, be lower in register than a female tone. And if it's like a spirit guide or um, someone who has crossed over and is just coming back to visit like a spirit, it's a real high pitch sound. It's very clear, like a bell. Uh, and if I tune into that, that's when I start getting more information. So it's my gateway. So if I don't want to know any information, I just try to listen around the sound and, and don't pay attention to it. But if I'm doing my medium thing, then I will tune in and try to get more information. So you basically always hear the ringing or the noise and you can tune it out sometimes. That's interesting. I can't completely tune it out, but I've learned how to listen around it, just not paying attention to it because everywhere I go, there's pretty much a ghost. You know, they, they kind of find me. I feel, I'm also a ghost magnet, which is another title of one of my other books. Um, they find me and um, follow me home. That sounds kind of terrifying. And it was. It was. In the beginning, it was terrifying because uh, I didn't have any assistance. I had nobody to help me. Um, and, you know, it's kind of one of my lessons that I try to teach people is if you're a medium, uh, before you get too deep into it and really, you know, because the more you work it, the stronger you get. And before you get to that point, make sure you have somebody in your pocket that you can help you. If something follows you home, what are you going to do? You know, are you capable of pushing it out? If you're not then you better know a shaman or a medium or somebody who's stronger than you that can do that. And right. I did for a long time. So it was terrifying. And you did mention that you eventually did find a, like a mentor who was able to kind of walk you through these sorts of situations where, you know. Yeah, I've had a lot of mentors and they've definitely helped me, but nobody has been able to fully teach me how to push the ghost completely out of the house to get them off of me. For that, I have a shaman friend in Virginia. And he works remotely. He sends his spirit guides in and um, they take care of things. And the haunting's gone. And he's, I wrote a book about him as well called Ruinous Souls. And 
he has done this for probably 20 years and he's like a modern day superhero. I swear. Pete, and I had a hard time with that book because nobody really, it was hard for people to conceptualize that I called my friend in Virginia and he sent his invisible friends to help me and the haunting went away. Um, but, you know, I can tell you that, you know, not only me, but all the people in the book that I wrote about and all the people he's helped over the years can attest to the fact that what he does works. So I'm happy, very blessed to have him in my life. When you're doing like a paranormal investigation, what is your goal? Is it to help the resident of the building or the home or is it to help the spirit cross over or what exactly are you trying to do? A lot of time, it just depends on the circumstance. I am called to do a lot of house walkthroughs and I will go in and I'll just see what's there. If there's, um, you know, for most of the time it's a former homeowner. That's what it's almost always been, a former homeowner that loves their home and they just stayed and they don't want to be crossed over. Like I always give them the option. I can help them cross if they want to cross. Um, but none of them want to. They're happy where they are. They just want to share the house. Um and and then I can provide that information to the homeowner to let them know, you know, look, you know, just they're, they're aware of you. You're aware of them. Just if they start doing something you perceive as scary, ask them to stop because it's just, uh, you know, a woman from the 1940s in her kitchen, you know, baking a cake. And uh, she's not aware that she's making sounds that's scaring you. So uh, other situations, a lot of time, it's uh, just for the historical information. Like there's a lot of things that have been lost to history. And I think a lot of things that are covered up to, due to wealth, like somebody got murdered, sometimes it could be covered up. So we've done a lot of investigations where we've just tried to learn more information. You know, of course, we're always going to help them if they want help. But, you know, so far, very few of them have wanted any any assistance in crossing over. But they're they're willing to share information. So that's always good. What are ghosts doing? Like, I mean, so say there, you find a ghost in the house or say the, the, the older lady at the Arbor house that you were at, what is she doing? Is she sitting in a rocking chair for eternity? Or what do you think that they do to fill their day? Or what is, you know, do you know what they do? I think it's different for all of them. I think it depends on their level of what they see and what they they're per, you know what they perceive uh sometimes they are, they don't even know they're dead and they're just going about their life like they would they see everything like it was when they were there in their day and other times um they see a little bit of what we see and they a little bit of what they see and i don't feel like they see us all the time i feel like they're living their lives and uh it makes me think a lot about the movie the others with nicole kidman mm -hmm. uh, one yep. of my favorite ghost movies because i feel like that's pretty accurate with what they see, like they'll catch glimpses of us. They don't always see us. And, um, you know, so sometimes it's nice just to be able to tell them, look, other people are here. You know, you're, what you're hearing is not, you know, not a ghost. You are the ghost. I right. Mean, you know. <laughs> and you mentioned New Harmony is a thin, you call it a thin place. Um, I guess the, the line between the living and the dead is thinner in that area, you think. Um, so maybe that's why there's more activity in, in that town. Yeah, you know, and that's not a term I coined myself. I learned that from the locals. Uh, they oh, really? will talk about it. Yeah, they talk about it a lot. You know, you think in a town with such a small population that there would be a lot of people that scoff at what I do, but mm -hmm. they don't because it's so haunted that I feel like everybody that lives here has either had an experience or knows somebody that's had an experience. So there, there's a lot of believers here that you wouldn't think otherwise. 
when you think of, or when I think of hauntings, I always think of, you know, the quintessential haunted house or the scary old places, but I don't think of like a newly built Dollar General. And you actually write about a situation where there's a newly built Dollar General that was haunted. The the workers, they were all kind of freaked out and everything. So that's something that's kind of interesting that you came across that. That was crazy. Um, I mean, it, you know, in this town, all we had up until that point was um, two convenience stores and gas stations. We didn't have our grocery store closed like probably 20 years ago. So for us, we have to drive a half an hour, 45 minutes to Evansville to get groceries or to Mount Vernon. But um, it, you know, it was such a pain. And when we heard there was a Dollar General opening here, a lot of us were really excited because it meant not having to drive to Evansville to get, mm -hmm. you know, some basic supplies. And, you know, went in and I really wasn't thinking about ghosts. I never really tuned in and felt anything. But uh, I was friends with a few people that worked there because, I mean, when you're in there every other day, you mm -hmm. start to learn people's names and sure. become friends with them. And one woman posted that, you know, we've had some crazy things happen at the Dollar General. And then, you know, talking about some weird paranormal stuff happening. So she was actually working when she posted that. And I messaged her and I'm like, hey, <laughs> can I come down and talk to you? And uh, I wasn't even writing Haunted Posey County at that point. I was just intrigued by, like you said, how can a brand new building have a haunting? Right. And I went down there and the story that they told me was just phenomenal. And I talked to a lot of people that worked there and had weird things happen They'd see things, they'd hear footsteps coming up to the office door at night when the doors were locked, and they'd see shadows in the cameras at night when they were there. But the one thing that really got my attention was what had happened to Julie. Um, she lived in lives in town, so if there was an alarm call, she was always the first one that would have to go there. And she got there, and the alarm had gone off, and they looked around. There was nothing out of place, nothing that could explain it. So she went back home. And the next morning, the manager came in and pulled the cameras uh, for that time period. And what she saw was really spine-tingling. She saw a basketball-sized orb of light travel all the way down one of the really long aisles of the store, make a U-turn go down the next dial and then shoot right into a motion sensor. Hmm. Just, and it's that the motion sensor off. So uh, that's when I went down and um, they let me do a mini paranormal investigation there. When the store closed, a few of us stayed after and we used a spirit box and I was just trying to tune in and I kept picking up on a man, um, kind of a heavy set man, probably in his fifties or sixties with dark hair. And I saw him in a dark trench coat and I don't know if he was using that to try to invoke fear, like, you know, he was scary, you know. But then I was also picking up on a little girl. So that was what was interesting. And um, just over time, I, you know, that night, actually, I walked back there and I said, look, you're scaring the people that work here and they're not going to have anybody left to work here if you keep scaring them off. And um, things did calm down. But uh, I talked to the manager not long ago, and she's not unconvinced that whatever was there didn't follow me home, which is very possible. So we think it came with the land. Um, there used to be, there's been a lot of things there. I mean, you know, over time, I mean, you know, Native Americans lived here back 2000 years ago. So before that, right before, probably 10 years before it was the Dollar General, it was uh, a barbecue country store. And to my knowledge, nobody died there, but 
a man that used to live next door had a trailer back in the back and he did had a heart attack and died there. And some people say that who I described sounds an awful lot like him. So maybe he drifted over. I don't know. They don't have to die in a place to haunt it, though. So he, you know, could have been come come with a driver or come with a, a customer, an employee. And they took a look and said, hey, I think we're just hanging out here for a while. I don't know. But now I talked to him. They really nothing has happened in a while. So are there places that are more likely to be haunted than others? I mean, I was kind of thinking about it. And it, like, you never really hear about haunted nursing homes, even though people are dying all the times in nursing homes and hospitals. You don't hear a lot of haunted nursing home stories or or I don't. Oh, I do. I've investigated do? a lot of, yeah, yeah. I've investigated a lot of nursing homes and, and hospitals and, and both are very haunted. Um, you know, you're dealing with people that may have been confused when they were, when they were passing away. Yeah. We, um, we did the, um, Indiana state asylum Mm. and not too long ago, we actually went back twice and we plan to keep going back. And part of that was an old nursing home. And that was the most active out of, uh, there was an old, uh, the ruins from an old tuberculosis hospital and a lot of other outbuildings, but the old nursing home was the most haunted. So I think, you know, it has to be a place where people lived or people loved. If it's beloved, they're probably going to stick around. Um, old, beautiful houses, old, beautiful historic houses. Like, you know, you, you drive down like New Albany and you see all these gorgeous old houses or the riverfront in Mount Vernon. And, you know, to me, there's no doubt in my mind that there's a ghost there, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more. Um, and if the people don't feel them, it doesn't mean it's not haunted. It just mm -hmm. means that... The ghosts are staying quiet. They don't want to be found out. You know, they're laying low. They are laying low, and yeah. and for good reason in a lot of cases. Because, you know, if they've ever turned on a TV and watched Ghost Adventures, they may realize that you know people are going to come in and start looking for them, and maybe they don't want to be found. You mentioned that you bring a spirit box. Do you have any other equipment with you when you go on these investigations? Yeah, we have actually have a lot of equipment. Um, I happen to like the spirit box because. <laughs> We can get um, audio that that is clearly understood. I mean, we will also just do EVP sessions where we're just using our recorders. And for me, those are really interesting. But you have to have the right control situation, like small groups. And you have to be aware of everything going on in the room. Like if somebody whispers, it's going to sound like an EVP. So... Mm -hmm. uh, that's why a lot of my public events, we do more spirit box than anything because you can't necessarily trust an EVP in a group of more than five people. Uh, but we also have an SLS camera, which um, uses the Connects technology and shows the stick figures on the screen. Uh, we actually have two of those for the team. And uh, we have a portal, which hooks up to uh, the um, SB11 spirit box. And... Uh, I'm not as sold on that. I feel like a lot of other people really love it, but it feels like it shortens. It takes away that choppiness, but it shortens the reactions or the answers. So it's, for me, harder to understand. Uh, we use REM pods and uh, motion sensors and, um, I don't know, look over at my equipment. <laughs> we use quite a bit of, you know, quite a bit of, you know, we've, we've used flashlights, mag lights in the past um, to get reactions. But, you know... I'm always a skeptic on some of these things. Like, you know, I've looked into the mag light phenomena and uh, sometimes it creates an arc that causes the light to go on. So you can't always trust that it's a, a ghostly reaction unless it's well-timed. 
You, know, you mentioned you were a skeptic. I, I know you were interviewed on the Unseen Paranormal podcast last year, and you mentioned that you're a, you are a skeptic when it comes to paranormal things, which is interesting, and you kind of have to see it to believe it yourself. And, you know, a lot of people can understand this because there's a lot of people out there faking evidence to get attention. And and then also, you know, at less nefarious people who don't understand or they're reaching for everything. Like I've had a lot of people on my ghost walks come and show me pictures of dust orbs or most moisture orbs. And I am not a fan of orb pictures. Um, you can't convince me that most of them are ghosts. Pictures of windows. Um, it's always a difficult one because a lot of times you get the reflection from the trees or the clouds. And uh, he, as humans, we're programmed in to find faces in things. So it's easy for us to look at that reflection of a tree and say, oh, look, there's a person there. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, and I've had people send me footage and send, send me pictures and stuff that I can't debunk. And I'm like, yeah, it could be something, you know, and then I also need to dig into the location. Like, have you already had a lot of things happen here? Is this a haunted house? Then, yeah, maybe that is something, you know, if they have a footage of an orb moving through a room in a way that it wouldn't be dust, moisture or a bug, then I may pay attention to it. Um, but. I just think that we jump too quickly to call things paranormal when they're not. Uh, I once took a picture um, in a store window during my ghost walk and looked at it afterwards and was just astounded. It looked like a child running across the room. And then I showed it to somebody else and they were like, wow. And then we showed it to somebody else. They said, that's your hand reflected in the glass. Oh, wow. And sure enough, when you looked at it in that light, you're like, oh, crap. You know, I thought it really had something good. But I have gotten a lot of really interesting pictures. And, you know, especially if I take it, um, I know it's not fraudulent because I wouldn't do that. And, you know, um, I took it. <laughs> so um, I don't know. Or if somebody I trust took it, it, it really it's hard. You know, it's hard to believe everything. Oh, exactly. And it's so easy to manipulate pictures and videos. It's like you don't know what you're to believe anymore. I mean, you could see a ghost standing right in front of the camera and you just don't know what you're looking at because, well, you know, anybody can really do that with technology. So, you know, I did get um, I've been hanging on to it for a couple of weeks now because I just keep looking at it. But um, somebody who attended one of my ghost walks back in June was just going through his pictures, getting ready to throw things out. He, I remember him from the tour because he had been taking a lot of video and he was kind of leaving the group at times and walking towards buildings. And we were at the Fauntleroy house, which to me is the most haunted building in town. And he was filming in through the window and he caught, um, he caught the shape of, it looked like a child crossing, crossing into the room. And, and it was semi-transparent. It was white. So, you know, to me, it looked like a ghost and I'd broken it down. I've, keep looking at it and trying to determine, you know, could this be a reflection? Um, I, I don't know. So I'm, I do have a, um, I have a TikTok account, which is Joni Mayhan 933. And I'm going to probably put it up as a TikTok video in the next couple of days. I hate doing that because somebody's going to look at it and say, oh, that's not real. You know, just like, you know, I might do, I wouldn't say it to somebody else. I would just keep scrolling, but right. I know I'm going to get, you know, get putting things out there because, you know, somebody's going to say, oh, that's not real. You're going to take flack for that kind of stuff. I mean, you, you just that comes with the game, I think. It does. It does. Definitely. Do you notice that animals 
detect ghosts or have you seen that they have some sort of special sensory, you know, where they can detect if there's some sort of spirit or ghost activity in a, in a room or? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny because uh, my current dog, Holly, I've had her for almost three years now, and she really has never um, shown any interest in anything going on. Mm-hmm. And neither did my dog before her, but my cats, oh my gosh, if there's a ghost in the room, they'll all be looking at it, you know, and I have five cats, uh, you know, it's, it's a problem. Right. <laughs> and, uh, um you know, I'm the crazy cat lady in town, I guess. Um, but they will all be staring. And and it's always in the same direction that I'm hearing the tone. So I can, you know, in the beginning when I was first, you know, really getting to understand my clear audience, they were excellent uh, at helping me learn about it because and trust it really. Because but what gets really eerie is like at night, I will often lay in bed and read. And mm-hmm. I'll have a cat in there with me staring right above my head. Oh, my God. That is, that's <laughs> yeah. creepy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then I have to turn off the light and go to sleep. So, you know, it's like I've kind of gotten used to it by now. If they're, I know if they're going to, they're wanting to harm me or not. Um, and I haven't been hurt yet. So there's that. Do you think ghosts can interact with like physical? I mean, are they able to touch people and glasses and throw things off of shelves? Um, how are they able, how are some able to do that and others can't? I think it's just their level ability. Um, I've often toyed around with the idea that um, some of the ones with higher level abilities able to physically touch, maybe they were medium, psychic mediums in real life. Maybe they had some kind of ability going into death that they're able to tap into. So it's almost the opposite on the other side. Um, I don't know, but I do know that there's a lot of them that I feel and hear and they never do one thing. And there's others. I've had them sit on the bed beside me. Um, and oh that'll gosh. that'll get you up pretty quickly. You know, when you live alone and you feel uh, somebody sit on the side of your bed in the middle of the night, you know. No kidding. Yeah. 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 I've had that happen a lot of times. So it's not fun. Do you think there are people who are more likely to become ghosts or to stick around in the afterlife? Um, definitely suicides. I feel like all, almost all suicides stay earthbound because I've crossed over a number of them uh, because, you know, they're taught that uh, suicide's a mortal sin and if they go anywhere, they're going to hell. And I personally don't believe in hell. I, I believe that everybody goes to heaven, but maybe not the version that most people think of. I feel like there's, you know, treatment and maybe hospitals or, you know, some sort of healing there uh, when they do that, that it's a human condition and they sh- can't be faulted for something that happened because every single one of them I've run into has regretted uh, the, the actual act of suicide. So, you know, and I had firsthand experience. My 14-year-old niece committed suicide back hmm. years ago. When I went over to the house, she was still very much there. So um, I wow. helped cross her over. So Wow, gives me chills. Yeah, that was that was a hard one. That was a hard one. So, I can imagine. So you're able to talk to, I mean, are you able to have conversations um, with these people or ghosts? A little bit. Um, you know, I haven't really, haven't really expanded my abilities because there's a part of me that's fearful that look what I'm getting right now with what I do, what I have. Um, if I get really good, it may be really bad. But yes, I will hear back and forth. I can have conversations. I have found that when I'm doing a walkthrough of a house, um, 
I will bring pen and paper and I can write down. Uh, it's almost automatic writing where I start getting more information and I can get a lot more information that way than I can just sitting there. Mm. But um, yeah, I'll hear back and forth. And um, I had a friend um, who was actually in one of my books, Bones in the Basement, pass away probably about five years ago, maybe six years ago. He was, um, I didn't know he had died. And I was making my bed and all of a sudden I hear this voice in my head, well, you missed a spot or something, you know, and you're doing, not doing a very good job there, are you? <laughs> and then I'm like, I, I was like, Bill, you know, oh what gosh. are you doing here? Like I knew who it was by, you know, who, how he acted. And I said, I didn't know you were dead. And he goes, oh yeah, it's great. He goes, I can walk through walls and do all that ghost shit. And it was like, and he wasn't there. He was just jubilous because he had had a heart condition for years and years. And he was a psychic medium. He was really good too. He would never really call himself a psychic medium, but he picked mm -hmm. up on so much stuff. And um, and then he was gone, you know, because he had other places to be. And uh, so that was just um, fascinating to me. Wow. So he actually reported, because you don't hear that very often where you get to hear what actually is on the other side. So he says, oh, I can walk through walls and stuff. So, I mean, do any of them ever tell you what the afterlife is like? Like, what's it like over there? Um, I have asked. Um, I've definitely asked every investigation because I want to know. I don't ask them. I used to ask them what heaven looks like, but I, I realized that they're ghosts. They're earthbound. They've never been to heaven, so they don't know what heaven looks like. But I do a lot of things like I'll ask them. Um, I want to know things like, can you see me? Like, I'll put, I always put three fingers up and I'll say, mm -hmm. how many fingers how many fingers am I holding up? And I have gotten that answered before. So then I can validate the fact that they can't actually physically see us. And then I'll ask them questions like, what town are we in? Or what town are you from? And it's really funny because we were doing an investigation at, at the Culbertson Mansion in New Albany, Indiana. And um, it was part of the Indiana State Museum Historical Sites. And they allowed us to do, I think we did three or four public events there. During one of the investigations, we said, what town are you from? And one of the ghosts said, very clearly across the spirit box, New Harmony. So we basically brought our own ghost to the oh ghost. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, but I'm, you know, and I'll say things like, um, what, who was president when you were here? Or, mm -hmm. yeah, we, you know, we really, every once in a while get a little bit of an answer, but. I just want to validate that they are actually there uh, and not pulled in. Sometimes I wonder uh, about the spirit box, that if it's just basically a ghost radio and we're talking to maybe, you know, ghosts from Minnesota, ghosts from the astro plane or... Like a ham radio of ghost boxes. <laughs> you just don't know who, yeah. We're always experimenting and trying to ask questions, but um, they don't give us a lot in that aspect. I feel like there's probably rules that they're not allowed to break. Um, and I, I have asked, are there rules? And I've gotten that answered a couple of times. Yes. Um, but it's, you know, funny because they never always answer everything I want to know. Like they'll give us some kind of ambiguous response. that doesn't in what we really wanted. They're not co cooperative. You know, there's one situation we have had going. We have two ghost walks now. The town is so haunted that we're able to set up two completely different ghost walks. Oh, wow. And one of them, uh, one of them was called the dark side. And we go, the reason it's called the dark side is because we go on the darker side of town where there aren't a lot of street lights. So it's a little eerier. Um, 
But there's one location where there's a little girl. And we actually experienced her when we were doing an investigation there. They, it's called the Green Gothic. It's connected to the Red Geranium Restaurant. It's where mm-hmm. their wedding events are. And they had been having things happen. And they asked us to come in and investigate. And we did. And during the night, we had our SLS camera going and we kept picking up three voices, a man, a woman and a little girl. And we were pretty sure we knew who the man and the woman were. But the little girl was anomaly. We had no idea. And then all of a sudden we saw a little, a small child, small stick figure pop up in between us on the SLS screen. And she was reactive. Uh, We were, you know, reach out and touch my hand. And she did uh, wave at us. She did. And then she disappeared. And we were trying to find out how old she was and just different information. And all of a sudden, we heard like paper crinkling behind us. And we heard a, wow. And it was like a little child. It wasn't across any of the equipment. It was in real life. It was a disembodied voice. It was like a little child, like a little child trying to scare us. And uh, we, this was about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, We immediately, one one investigator ran outside the front door. I ran into the restaurant through the side door and uh, there was nobody there. And I ran into um, one of the longtime servers, David Meyer, who gave me a lot of stories for my book. And he said, we haven't had any children in here all night. He said, Barbara, it's interesting that you say that because last week a woman, a couple came out of the restaurant and saw a little girl in the upstairs window of the Green Gothic. And, oh, wow. um, so, but as we do the ghost walk, that's one of our first places. And we end up in Church Park, which is where the old Harmonist Church used to be. It's now a beautiful park with a fountain. And there's a lot of seating there. So we will always sit there and we'll do a dowsing rod session with the with the guests and let them use the dowsing rods. And everybody really loves it. And it's funny because we kept picking up on a little girl, like a little girl kept coming through on the dowsing rods. And uh, and a woman and a man. And um, we would never tell them what the other group had found. Uh, we just let them start from scratch and just see what happened and see if they got the same thing. And they always did. And what the story we got was that the man was from the Owen period or later. Mm-hmm. And the woman was from the Harmonist period. And the little girl was like even later than that or, you know, later, like, you know, later 1800s. And uh, so none of them knew each other. They weren't alive at the same time. But the woman took care of the little girl. And we had a psychic medium come on the ghost walk who was providing us all kinds of crazy information. And he said, you know who this little girl is, right? He said, I'm surprised you guys haven't put two and two together. She's the little girl from the Green Gothic. She follows your ghost walks. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we learned that towards the end of the season. So we didn't get a chance to really fully explore it. But, uh, you know, they're not stuck in place. They can go where they want to go. And uh, she's been and she's mischievous, which, you know. Well, she sounds fun. Yeah, Yeah. she does. She is fun. She is fun. So I'm hoping we have more experiences with her as time goes on. We've definitely got a lot to learn. If someone wanted to get a hold of you and or buy your, your books, where would they go? Um, well, all my books are available on Amazon. Um, I have 24 of them, so they can find them there. Uh, if they're looking for Haunted Posey County, that's available at Barnes & Noble in Evansville. Uh, they can actually get any of my books. So if you have a book you're looking for, you can go there and ask them to order it. 
Uh, here in New Harmony, it's sold in multiple locations. Um, most of my books are available at Antique Emporium, which is on Church Street. And it's also uh, in Haunted New Harmony. It's a haunted building, so two for one. Um, but yeah, they're sold a lot of little places locally, but Amazon's the best way to get it. If you're looking for a signed author copy, you can find me on Facebook uh, or you know, you can email me. My email's on my website. So I could do get people to contact me that way. And I do festivals. So I do, you know, Coons Fest in September. I do River Days in Mount Vernon. So awesome. And I will have these links down in the show notes. So if anyone wants to find those, they can go to rivercitymystery.com slash eight and all of that will be there. Awesome. I appreciate that. And I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's nice to know that there's somebody so close that's into this stuff. So I'm sure we'll cross paths again. If you're interested in checking out any of Joni's books, learning about upcoming ghost walks or paranormal investigations, you can check out her website at JoniMahan.com. And I will have all the links in the show notes at RiverCityMystery.com slash eight. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, take care.